Welcome to Probably Science. I'm Matt Kirshen. There's Andy Wood. Hey, I'm over here. You are over here. We're opposite. We've 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 changed positions now. This We're placing our guest in the middle. I think it's a nice. Uh, I love that we still think this is something the audience is ever going to care about. I think it's a nice <laughs> dynamic. People should be able to paint the picture. Yeah. We're on the two opposite couches, and and our guest, our second Danish guest in the lifetime of this podcast. What are the chances? Yeah. Relatively high because the first Danish guest was the one who connected us with the second oh, that's Danish true. guest. It's very high. It's, it's, it makes sense. <laughs> These aren't independent uh, events, but the very funny uh, and now all off in America, Simon Talbot. Yes. Hi. How's Thank it going? You. Very well. I'm feeling very comfortable to sat between you guys. Excellent. So that's, Excellent. That's awesome. Great, I mean, we great should, choice. We should point out we've given space. Like you're not. We're not like all. Yeah, we, as, as the listeners, no, no, no. as the viewers at home saw when we did the Facebook Live video, they were like, "You guys are like way more comfortable looking." I, ex- I expected <laughs> to be crowded around some little table. No, we're kind of lounging. Um, I'm also happy that it finally got a little warm outside because I forgot to ever put the gas in my name when I moved in in August, and they never sent a bill or contacted me. So I was like, maybe this is just included with the rental. And then a month ago, one day, everything just turned off. <laughs> like six months later, I was like, oh, this shouldn't be. And I called, and of course, they can't just turn it on. Someone has to come out. And so they scheduled someone for two weeks out. Great. As soon as they could come. So no ability to cook and no heat when it was getting down to What about hot water? Do you have no hot water as well? That's different. I have hot water. So there is that. Okay. And it wasn't that bad. But at night, you know, we get down into the 50s inside my apartment. Yeah. And then it wouldn't get above 60 during the day. And then they finally said they were going to come last week on Friday. And they said, be there like for a 10 hour block of time. And I didn't set an alarm. And they came at 7 (laughs) a.m. Like, what? Look at a month. That's not even a working hour. Does that time even exist? Yeah. Rather just be cold for another month or something. Well, yeah. So I missed them. And then I called and they said, okay, now it's three more weeks. So I still have no heat. You still have no heat. And I have no ability to cook for three more weeks. So luckily it's getting sunny. Do you have so a microwave? Not. No, I don't have a microwave. I mean, I have one of those little like toaster style um, in the wall heaters in the bathroom. So uh-huh. I can turn that on and then just have a fan and try to like fill up the rest of the... But now it's like relatively nice out. So as long as I open the windows, it'll get above 65, barely. But you didn't notice the last couple of recordings were cold? Yeah, I noticed. Okay. Yeah. You told us, though. You, did, <laughs> you, gave us the, you gave me the reason last week as well. On the air? Not on the okay, air. Okay, okay. Off air. Not that it was an interesting I assume that was private beginning. information, but now you're just sharing it with the world. Well, I just think it's crazy <laughs> that they can't just press a button and the gas comes back on. Like, I'm not an idiot. I can check and see that the pilot... Like, why does a person have to come and why does it take three weeks to do it? That's crazy. Okay, maybe it's not crazy. I don't know. I thought it was crazy. I don't know. If you know, if you know the exact reason why they have to send someone back in to reconnect Andy's gas, uh, email us probably science at gmail dot com, and mark your envelope gas. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey Simon, before we get into the stories uh, of this week, we like to ask our guests this: uh, What, if anything, is your background in science? Uh, not a lot. Well, I'm I'm actually. Um I do love science, and okay. of course you have to say that. Sure, who yeah, who yeah. goes, I hate science. Get I out. Yeah. <laughs> I do love science, and maybe that's because you know, I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness, so I, okay. I, I dealt like, mainly in alternative facts in my childhood. <laughs> yeah. So that made, uh, I guess, science just became like the answer to get out of that stuff. Cool. Um, so were you, was your, is your family still... Yes. Jehovah's my, Witnesses? Yes, my, I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness. My entire... Uh, my mother... Uh, is Danish and her entire family is Danish, mm-hmm. of course, and my father's Irish. So they 
he's like a crazy drunken Irish guy and <laughs> she <laughs> she went out of Jehovah's Witnesses when she was a teenager and kind of went crazy found uh-huh. my dad and he was like too crazy <laughs> and then she left him and went back to Jehovah's Witnesses so I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness oh wow uh, with my mother and then my dad is still he lives in Denmark but I was just with him every other okay. two weeks so it's basically that explains I could hear a slight I was going to ask about your English because I could hear a slight uh, I've got this weird messed up yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. hybrid accent sort of <laughs> just international accent your accent's just sort of the world <laughs> So as a very Je- worldly, yes. Yeah. As a Jehovah's Witness, uh, were you just exclusively forced to listen to Prince? Is that the only music that's allowed? <laughs> no, no, that and Psalms. So okay, it's, Psalms so are great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so they're still... It is Jehovah's Witnesses that reject things like blood transfusions. Yes, yes. And I've got a bleeding disorder. So that's Ooh, like, that's I, a, I just... Uh, <laughs> well, like hemophilia? Or? Yeah, hemophilia, yeah. So okay. I just kind of hit the, the jackpot on yeah, that one. Yeah. <laughs> has that, has that, did it cause any problems growing up? Yeah, well, not... It did cause some problems, but uh, I kind of left before it got really serious. I, yeah. When I was 14, I kind of like stopped believing when I was 9 or 10. Mm-hmm. Um, because like it's always... I wish I could be like, well, you know, I read all the sciencey facts, but mainly it's just because it's really fucking boring being yeah, a Jehovah's yeah, Witness. <laughs> you just have to spend so much uh-huh. time, you know, walking around, getting rejected every day. Hey there, you want to hear about the good Oh, right, Lord I forgot and, about that. Uh, oh, you, so you yeah. did have to do the whole door-to-door. Yeah, yeah, I did the whole door-to-door thing and uh, six hours of meetings every week. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's it's a whole lot of time. But you learn how to, you know, get rejected, and that helps you when you start I'm going sure. out and trying to hit on women. So, yeah, so that's did, good. <laughs> we, all, we talked to somebody who was who was raised or who grew up um, an evangelical uh, a few weeks ago on our podcast, and she talked about like the kind of um, mental gymnastics she had to do, like the arguments you had to have to respond to someone else who's like to fight her teacher when the teacher would bring up evolution. She would have exactly. these talking points and things. Did you have like things you had to yeah. remember for the meeting at the door, pe- the meeting at the door people for the door knocking, whatever you call it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I was, when you're a kid and you're going door to door, they're not, they're not handing you like a huge responsibility because yeah. they know you'll mess it up. They just have to go like a simple argument but, yeah. and then you don't so you just have like a, a, a rehearsed uh, sentence that maybe you start out with so you stand there in like your little suit with your briefcase and your hair slicked to the side and you go <laughs> okay so do you wonder here's the, here's the door you just ring the door yeah, okay I ring okay. the door I, you open up and I go good good day good day uh, hello yeah, good day sir are you maybe uh, interested about hearing in the good word of our Lord Jesus Christ the I, Savior I, I got I got a lot, a, lot, a, lot of, a lot going on today I don't know if I have time do you ever wonder what happens when you die I, I don't what happens I don't know I, I'll, I'll just hand that pass that torch to uh, <laughs> pastor okay. yeah. thank you son thank yeah. you. and I actually one of the main when I started doubting that was actually a guy like kind of like the impression you yeah, just yeah. did of a hungover guy who just opened the door so I did that whole oh, okay so have you wondered what happens when you die and he just looks at me and he looks at the guy I'm out with like the old he's just like a 50 year old man this is goes, not a relative this is just a guy like one of the other people in the yeah, church yeah just a, a random hungover dude and then we're but I mean the, person, mean the person you're with, you're with oh yeah is, the person uh, I'm with yeah he's not a relative he's just uh, mentoring me assigned to you that, okay assigned to me yeah, exactly and the guy just looks at us and goes he goes like he doesn't want to be here just points straight to my Aww. face <laughs> he doesn't want to be here he wants to yeah. Play computer or football? What, what, it's Saturday morning. What are you? Why are you bringing out here? And I was like, 
I don't want to be here. He's right. <laughs> oh. I never thought of that. That's until, a hero. <laughs> and that just started, you know, messing with me. And then, of course, realizing how few Jehovah's Witnesses there are. Yeah. So that they're like, oh, we are six million worldwide at this point. I was like, there's six billion people. That's a lot of people thousand. who are wrong, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> the, f- the math just started messing with me. Well, you could so. also argue that makes you super exclusive, and you could like frame it that way if they wanted to. Oh, like, yeah, oh, we're, we're the most exclusive club. Or just, well, or the, I guess only... that's the difference between the sort of conspiracy theorist mindset and the mainstream. Like, they got these people don't know, they're sheep, they haven't. Right, right. They haven't opened their eyes, yeah, exactly. seen the truth. Exactly. So do, does your mom care that you left or is she still in it? Yeah, yeah, she's still a Jehovah's Witness and we had like, of course we had a lot of arguments when I was yeah. getting out of there um, and at the end I just, you know, just kind of went, that's it, I'm done with it and yeah. today our relationship is fantastic, she's a great oh, woman and, uh, and um, but it's still like, I, I've spent years learning on not, like, not engaging because every time no, we meet we just no debate yeah, yeah. and yeah so so i've i've stopped engaging but you still so you forget about it but it was so weird like excited for example she she visited me in copenhagen and we went to this lovely jazz bar and we had a beer and had a great time and we we're just talking back and forth and then oh she's talking about her retirement plan and she's like okay well you know i've got these uh, money for the next four years and I've got some because I got some extra money for the next four years so I have to reevaluate my economy in four years but luck- hopefully Armageddon will happen before that oh my god so I'm like oh yeah yeah you're crazy that's right I just forgot the whole that's such a, uh, how do you hope for that even if it's predicted in your yeah yeah just like flip. I, I hope that you and I both die within the next like it's saying that to yourself yeah yeah it's they're they're hoping for it but to them, it's a good thing because, right, you know, right. everyone will be happy and, you know, paradise and you can hug lions and I guess. You can hug lions. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's got their own reason, right? Maybe that's some, maybe that's what got somebody into Jehovah's Witnessing was just like, I want to hug a lion. Yeah, but I'm, I'm going to hug a lion. Yeah, and I don't want to go to Thailand because they're like <laughs> no. drugged and it's not, I'm really into yeah. animal <laughs> right. So, uh, is that a commonly held belief that there's, within the next few years, we might be getting to uh, the... Yeah, well, they they did predict it, like they said in 1914 and 1930 something. They and they stopped predicting it, yeah. uh, like putting a date on it. Now they're just going, it's em- it's imminent, right? Right, so, right, right, right. So you can still go, but they weren't part of the 2012 uh, group of people. Who no, no, yeah, they yeah. they weren't. They that thought that, that was like, oh, that was like Mayan, wasn't it? Yes, that's the Mayan of, calendar. Right, yeah, yeah. They're not heathens, you know. Right. <laughs> so so what would happen as a as a kid? So you. Said, Hemophilia is from birth, right? That's not something that yes. com- that comes up later in life. Um, so presumably as a child, kids are constantly getting into scrapes, constantly falling over and getting hurt and cut. Um, what would happen? Like you would, you, are you allowed to have the, the blood clotting agent is what your body lacks, right? It doesn't, yes. have, it doesn't produce the blood clotting agent. Exactly. So is someone, with Jeho- uh, is someone who's a Jehovah's Witness allowed to have that is you're not allowed to have blood transfusions but are you allowed to have the blood clotting agent or is that also banned no yeah i'm allowed to have um something called a cyclonova which helps the blood clotting uh, mm-hmm. process but my yeah my blood cells are too big so i've got fewer fewer uh, blood cells and they're kind of malfunctioning so i have this extremely rare blood uh disease apparently there's like 50 people worldwide oh, so no. they did uh they did this test on me in like the hemophilia uh, 
department at Rigshospitalet in Copenhagen and you can just like that's the cool thing about scientists it's a really horrible thing but you can just see the sparkles in her eyes when she was talking about because you're oh are, are we allowed to run tests this is a real I'm gonna write my thesis in <laughs> cool so, so yeah it's a it's a rare thing so wow but well yeah I, I would get hurt constantly and also I have this uh, weak blood vessel in my left nostril that you know a lot so of kids have that leads to bleeding yeah, nose yeah. bleeding uh, often yep so I would get that and it wouldn't stop bleeding so I'd just be the guy in school just you know head uh, cut, cut, yeah just sitting with my head back yeah. or standing in the sink every few hours um, and I wouldn't if it would luckily it didn't get to that point yeah but if the the doctors were like well we have to give him blood yeah. in order for him to live I wouldn't have been uh, allowed Damn. blood. Wow. So that yeah, and when that dawned on me, I, that was like the the last yeah, yeah. Well, uh, straw. Like okay, I'm bored, but I still want to live. Because so. I yeah, because I know in certain countries, um, the courts can step in at that point and insist that like they can sort of take, uh, they yeah, they can they, they 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 try to remove custody from the parent. That's right. Yeah, yeah. They they I think they my dad started planning on doing stuff like that just in case uh, he tried, right. but uh, yeah. Luckily, I just quit by myself before any of that stuff got uh, relevant. It's very lucky. What was that? Did you just hear a loud Sorry, noise? <laughs> They've come back for him. Should we kick off with a story? I like it. Yes, I like the idea of a story. <laughs> you don't even pick one. I'm like, yeah, I like it. All right. Well, how do we feel about sharks and drugs? Oh, sure. Why not? I've just realized I haven't actually put that link on the document. I've just oh, okay. put the title. I don't there know. you go. I it's I was there now. expecting uh, the sack without... Okay. Sharks. Are you going to do that? Why not? All right. Well, this well, is one that like every so often a story comes along where I think every one of our listeners reads it and is like, well, do I even have to email this in? Because yeah. they're going to have 10 other people. A couple of people did. Who did. Right, right, right. Uh, and maybe it's just because of the headline on the BuzzFeed version of the article, which I can read even if that's not the main source for the Do you want to do the BuzzFeed version of the article? Sure. Yeah. Uh, scientists just found a little sack with no bum hole and they think it's your oldest known ancestor. <laughs> This is also on the front page of like CNN.com and things. Yeah, slightly um, different wording. CNN. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's it's a it's a thing with a mouth but no uh, a front but no. Uh, yeah, there's no bumhole. It's a sack basically, um, and this is a uh, let's see. I was gonna bring up the Nature.com article. Fuck it, I'll just stick with the BuzzFeed one. Why not? All right, do it. Do it. Yeah, uh, this weird-looking beast is probably your oldest known ancestor, according to a new study. It's called Saccharitis coronarius. It's 540 million years old, about a millimeter long, and was found in rocks in Shaanxi, northwest China. Um, and there's pictures uh, showing this thing. It looks a little bit like a... Um, what's the uh, the Pan's Labyrinth creature, kind of? The one that puts its hand eyes up to its face, you know? It's got, like... Double rows of things that look like teeth. Very, it's very horror movie. Millimeter long. Um, probably so looks a little bit like. I'm trying to remember the computer game that it looks like. What do you think, Simon? Wow, I was I was kind of hoping because I'm a gaming nerd, so I was like, oh, I've got this. I, I totally haven't got this. I'm trying to think. That's uh, a, I that's can't. A, that's a demon, basically. Yeah, it's a demon. Yes, it looks like it's going. Oh. Um, so yeah, it probably lived in the sand of the seabed, eating tiny particles of organic matter and perhaps small creatures. Saccharitis means wrinkled sack because it's essentially a bag, a bag with apparently only one major opening. It's uh, from Star Wars. The oh. the opening, like what? What's uh, it does look a bit like that as well? Yeah, yeah the, the Sarlacc pit. 
Yeah, Sarlacc pack. Yeah. Exactly. It's I'm not even pack. a fucking Star Wars nerd, you guys. Come on. Except it's about a millimeter long, so... Right. Tiny... <laughs> Bacteria going... Ah. Uh, the scientists who found it think it's an early deuteros... Deuteros... Dome. Deuterostome. Uh, deuterostomes are the group that include all creatures with backbones, vertebrates, as well as uh, various worms, starfish, sea cucumbers, and so on. So they said that the, the, the sea cucumber is probably, um, this is probably a several million times great-grandparent of, uh, of the sea cucumber. Uh, what's crucial is the openings on the side of the body called body cones. Simon Conway Morris, a professor of paleontology at Cambridge who worked on the study, told BuzzFeed News. Uh, the researchers think the cones expelled the water that the little creature took in when it ate its prey. That's an absolute hallmark of the deuterostomes, said Conway <laughs> Classic Morris. Deuterostome. Classic deuterostome. <laughs> Don't get me started on the oh, deuterostomes. always yeah. doing that. <laughs> it's the smoking Can't guy. get enough of that. <laughs> uh, in later generations of creatures, these body cones evolved into gill slits like those seen on fish. And these gill slits, to all intents and purposes, do not appear in any other group, said Conway. Uh, all science is provisional, but if this is correct, it seems to be a good line of evidence. And if they're right, it's the oldest deuterostome ever found, so it's the oldest human ancestor known. And like we said, it doesn't have an anus. Just got the just mouth, but no butt. Yeah. <laughs> I so, love how, how, <laughs> like, how little the, the no anus part is actually a part of that article, yeah, but yeah. that's still the... <laughs> yeah. No anus. no anus! Top story! No buttholes. Oh, that's BuzzFeed for Yeah. Uh, the article does say that the no anus lifestyle exists elsewhere <laughs> in the animal kingdom. Demodex mites, a kind of parasite most humans have on their faces, also have no anuses. They don't expel waste at all and instead just eventually explode and die. <laughs> But their ancestors used to. They evolved to lose them. I was thinking of Day of the Tentacle, but it doesn't look much like that. There we oh, go. yeah, yeah, that um, LucasArts. Computer game? Yep. Was that LucasArts? I thought it was. was Might it well be. Uh, uh, Maniac Mansion 2, Day of the Tentacle, LucasArts, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Check you out being correct. Uh-huh. Man, I'm two for two on George Lucas-related nerdery in this episode. <laughs> you are. Well, while we are doing ancient uh, organisms... Um, ancient proteins dating back 195 million years have been found inside a dinosaur bone. The discovery pushes back the oldest evidence for preserved proteins by 100 million years. Whoa. Scientists have also found traces of a mineral that probably came from the blood of the early Jurassic dinosaur. Soft tissues provide new insights into the biology of dinosaurs and how they evolved. They are rarely preserved during the process of fossilization, during which bones and teeth are slowly transformed into rock. Robert Rees, a paleontologist from the University of Toronto, uh, Mississauga. 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 Oh, Mrs. How do you say that again? Mississauga. Huh. Is that different from the other... Is there another University of Toronto? Um, yeah, I'm guessing that's like a different city, and that's the campus of it. Like, oh, that makes sense. Cal Berkeley, Cal... Uh, UCLA, UC Berkeley, UC Davis, whatever. I'm with you I'm now. Yeah. Uh, which is in Canada. Uh, Robert says, We hope to be able to learn more about the biology of these animals, and the more we know about their soft tissues, the more we will know about them overall. We are actually looking at the preservation of the original materials that were in the living organism rather than an impression of the soft tissues that were there. The researchers studied the fossils of a Lufengosaurus. Easy for you to say. Thank you. Uh, dinosaur using infrared spectroscopy with a synchrotron in Taiwan. Why have I picked this story? Mm-hmm. Why? Why indeed? Preserved fragments of collagen and iron-rich proteins were found within the walls of blood vessels running through rib bones. 
They think the remains of dinosaur blood may have preserved the collagen for almost 200 million years. Um, and uh, st- I, I, this is something... Nearly always the BBC version of these stories, always, they always got, just find another scientist who's utterly unrelated to the study to comment in the final, in sort of the penultimate paragraph. That seems to be their format yeah. for science writing. That's their style guide. So um, Stephen Broussat of the University of Edinburgh, who is not connected with the research... <laughs> said the discovery was a jaw-dropper. Uh, in that he didn't know anything about it, and it wasn't in his field. Yeah. He, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He couldn't pronounce anything right. either, yeah. and he yeah. just sat there looking dumbfounded. He was like, huh, that's cool. Huh, thank you. Yeah. A lot of big words in it, so yeah. my jaw's on the floor. All right, how many, of, how many other people for coffee? <laughs> yeah, is there just someone at BBC I, whose job is making that last phone call? Is just like a, He just closes his eyes and points to a number in a phone book, and yeah. like, this is the last person we'll consult. There is someone at a university. I'm, I'm guessing within the field, it's impossible to tell. To find proteins in a 195-million-year-old dinosaur fossil is a startling discovery, he told BBC News, or continue to bullshit. Either way, we don't know. It almost sounds too good to be true, but this team has used every method at their, disposable, at their disposal to verify the discovery, and it seems to hold up. That's what I was saying. Too good to be true, right? Yeah, totally. We're on the same page with that. It's too good to be true. You could just insert that comment on any scientific... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is a startling discovery. they backed it up. There are people <laughs> yeah. who looked at it and were like, yeah, amazing. They've done, they've done the work. Um, yeah, I mean, it seems surprising, but these people are professors, so they must, they have, must have done something. They must have yeah. done the work. They wouldn't be allowed to be at the university if they hadn't, so I think they're probably right. This is, uh, oh God, I hate that I'm always doing this. This is the only thing I'll bring up that's political this week, but like, there was a story on the front page of CNN in... And by the way, I listened back to the first couple minutes of last week's episode. I realized we can no longer do any commentary on anything going on in the world because by the time the episode comes out, I don't even remember what the thing was that we were worried about when we were recording because since then, five other worst things have happened yeah. between last week's. Um, but there was a thing after the travel ban where just one of the articles, the headline on CNN.com was, a uh, woman says she feels safer. And I was like, what is that? I clicked on it. They just talked to a random woman in her 60s from Tennessee who said, I feel safer now. And that was the story. Like, what? <laughs> okay. Uh, you just abstractly feel safer. Can we, can we find uh, we find someone who feels less safe? Yeah, let's also get, let's get both sides of the safeness story. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, Stephen Broussard at the University of Edinburgh says uh, some people might feel less safe. Um, yeah, that's... Anyway. Uh, oh, and can I just say for picking that article, thank you very much for, you know, you know... You thought that we have a Danish guy on here. It's his second language. Let's Let's do a story that that Matt can't pronounce. (laughs) (laughs) can feel more at home, yeah. Um, Only the second language? You're a bad Scandinavian. I do you to have like seven or eight or something? Isn't English meant to be right down the list? Yeah, you're right. Well, I did learn French and Spanish also. Okay, there we go. Well, people taught me. Right. They they spoke French and Spanish into my face, and now I only retain English. Perfect. Can I ask you the same thing I asked Sophie when she was on? Because my family, my, my grandmother is Danish, and there's still some traditions we have, and I'm not sure if they're all Danish. She did say that you, you guys do rice pudding around Christmas time, right? Yes. With the almond hidden in it? That yeah, is with the arm, almond okay, hidden cool. in it, yeah. We, uh, what about spitting on someone for luck? Is that's that... not, I heard that episode, oh. and I thought that's the craziest Danish not, okay. uh, yeah, stereotype. Yeah. Uh, that's not a real thing. That's you have some very sick relatives. That was just Grandma, uh, Grandma, uh, Grandma Woods' little um, 
But it's a great, it's a great excuse if you have some like relative who's just totally crazy. You can yeah. just go, ah, oh, it's a yeah. That's a thing they that's, do in Milwaukee. That's it's Danish. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, we actually love rice pudding so much. My girlfriend made, we moved around Christmas time. Yeah. So we made rice pudding. And you oh, can cool. actually do it with a sushi rice. Oh, really? I've never tried it because someone it used Danish like rice pudding rice to make sushi because it was cheaper. So we thought we'll just splurge and buy rice, like sushi rice, and make rice pudding. What's the secret? It's just like cinnamon, milk, and sugar? Or what yeah. Do you do? yeah, yeah, and I just a shit ton of cinnamon so yeah, it's, it's and almost butter. Like, it's great. It, it's almost like a, a more soupy version of horchata. Is right? that what horchata is? Isn't Hot, it, isn't horchata? It, isn't it, I've uh, never it's had It's rice horchata. milk. Yeah, it's a, it's a, like a Mexican. You'll get it in like, you know, it's, they'll yeah. have it spinning around one of those. I know uh, it's nice. I never even knew what it was. If, if you go to a lot of, um, not even, oh, the more sort of taco stand type Mexican restaurants or like the, even like the sort of temporary looking stands or the, yeah. the sort of more cafeteria looking ones, they often have three of those. You know the things that they sometimes have with orange juice or apple juice in, in a hotel buffet breakfast or whatever that sort of just keeps the stuff cycling around yeah it's got like a little pump in it yes it just, yeah. it's that but instead of looking like juice it looks like a slight looks almost like um chocolate milk but it's yeah it's uh almond sesame seeds rice barley tiger nuts or melon seeds that sounds very rice pudding it's, it's, that yeah, probably it's, is it's just a, right but rice it's pudding was cold the and consistency of drink yeah yeah um what, I also wanted to ask you, how do you say the name of uh, the capital of Denmark in your language? Copenhagen. That's, isn't that crazy? Like how different it is to how we're... Well, yeah, just because like, every, everyone, everyone, everyone goes uh, Copenhagen. They, 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 they try they, to do like an Arnold thing when they're talking. <laughs> so it's great dumb. to be here in Copenhagen. And everyone's like, it's just Copenhagen. The Hagen yeah. or Copenhagen. Yeah. There's no agen in, in yeah. Danish. It's we like, don't do that. It's like how the Brits and Americans constantly argue over the wrong pronunciation of the painter Vincent's last name. Oh, you guys say Goff? We say Van Gogh. But either America way, say but Van Gogh, and it's neither. Way, it's, 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 not, it's not English at all, so why are we even trying to... I, yeah. What is the actual way? It, I, I, I won't pronounce it correctly, but it's closest as a Hoff or Hoff. Okay. Uh, Van Hoff. Interesting. So um, Kuvenhalen. But that's oh that's so pretentious. I'll do that the next time. Oh, I just love Van Hoff. Yeah. Vincent Van Hoff. Just to, have, yeah, just to who? Well, actually you all are wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so isn't Copenhagen the way Germans say it or not? Is that not even I'd guess yeah, I guess so, but uh, yeah. I just thought yeah, just pretentious go, Americans pronouncing just go a data Cop- city the way a German person would <laughs> thinking that they're doing something. Just go right, Hagen. Like, just like just Sophie say, Hagen. Right. It's yeah. It's it's the English, same thing. You're, you'll you'll be fine. But we don't judge you that much. Yeah. We're just happy you know Copenhagen. And aren't you guys kind of like the butt of other jokes as far as the way the language sounds like in Northern yeah. Europe or not? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're known for uh, extremely fucked up language. Like, like what else? Uh, could you talk a little more? It's the Danish uh, joke is to make foreigners go <laughs> stuff like that because you can't do the... Uh, that's why... We have a really hard time, uh, Danish pre- people going, uh, re- really, uh, Wednesday, wait, it's, wait just a second, what's that fucking word that no one, because we the can't word? do like the potato, like, the sound. Oh, oh. Is this a squirrel? Squirrel, squirrel, yeah, that's really hard for me. If you I look can't up go videos of, of Germans trying to say squirrel on YouTube also. It's, uh, it's horrible, it's yeah, horrible, yeah. but you can't go, well, well. 
Yeah, yeah. You just sound like you're joking. <laughs> what does that mean? What you said? It's uh, porridge. Also, porridge, we just okay. love porridge. Um, so this is this is a I think hopefully a, a Dutch person pronouncing the painter's name correctly. Vincent van Gogh. Oh, Vincent yeah. van Gogh. Nice. Here it is again. Vincent van Gogh. Van Gogh. Uh, uh, I had I actually had one more Danish question for you. I forgot that this was blowing up this year, but are you both aware of the obsession with uh, I forgot with Huga? Do you know what Huga is? Huga. Huga? Let me check this. Oh, Hugi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that's a, I love that. That's a, the most Danish thing. Hugi is, um, yeah, it's, it's cozy, but it's not cozy. It's better than that. Yeah. It's really, you create this lovely moment. Yeah. So you don't go, oh, I'm cozy right now. You actually, okay, what can we do? I, I, I would basically call it like chill optimization. <laughs> optimization. You're like, okay, so we, blankets, candles, snacks, movie. Is everyone comfortable? What can we do to make this now we, as we have comfortable as peak possible? Huga at this peak, peak Huga. <laughs> yeah. So basically, you're you're investing in creating a, a lovely moment. Okay. So so you're very. Uh, I think that's a very Danish thing because it's about being present. Yeah. It's a very okay. So. Is it also about wintertime and fighting the cold and sort of like bundling, or is it not? Always? Yeah, hot hot cocoa, yeah, uh, yeah. candlelights, Danish cookies, okay, stuff like that. Yeah, I guess it's become like in America also people are getting obsessed with it, like, you know, Pinterest boards and shit dedicated to Huga. There's a New Yorker article called uh, The Year of Huga, The Danish Obsession with Getting Cozy. Um, <laughs> but it's a lovely word because it's it, like cozy or chill just doesn't, yeah. it, it doesn't grasp the full content of, of Huga. It was I just, love Huga so much. It was just in the a running welcome, for, uh, fully welcoming environment. Yes, for, yeah, like that. Um, it was in the running for word of the year for the Oxford Dictionary. It was a finalist. Oh. It was beaten by um, shit. Post truth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can actually Broken. go. This is actually right now. Vi hygos. Is this pretty hygos? Yeah, vi hygos. Lige nu det er super hyggeligt det her. Bare yeah, dejligt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So good. Uh, no, no, yeah. No, no, that's not again um, German, but you're sure, close. close enough. <laughs> yeah. uh, he uh, history had gone a slightly different way. Um, Oh yeah, we would have a hookah be the word instead of yeah. That's maybe. Um, so uh, Stephen Broussard, remember him? He also said. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He said the fact that proteins can survive for so long has two big implications. Uh, the preservation of microscopic proteins for nearly two hundred million years tells us that there is much to learn still about how fossils form. And the findings appear to corroborate previous reports of similar proteins in other dinosaurs that are about seventy million years old. This discovery tells us that, yes, you really can preserve soft microscopic protein inside dinosaur bones for tens or hundreds of millions of years. That's what I've been, I've been telling you that. You, have been like, sa- you know what? I, I hold my hand up. I had a nickel. I hold every, my hand yeah, up. Yeah. I, I was... I think we almost came to blows I know, the other night. I know. I appreciate you deferring finally. Right? It's, it's big of you. I think it takes, you know... I think it's important to admit when you were wrong, yes. and I was wrong. Accepted. Uh, and you're also saying, as backed up now by Dr. Broussard, that this opens up entirely new avenues for studying dinosaurs. You did right, say well, that. Yes, you I, did I, say that. Not in those words exactly, but sure. Yeah. Uh, we went down all the other avenues. <laughs> just dead ends. <laughs> we, thought, we thought we had 100% of the avenues. Yeah, and it's just, yeah. All of a sudden, there's, there's just, a new one. There's dozens, avenues, yeah. dozens of new avenues. Uh, <laughs> Lufengasaurus belongs to a group of dinosaurs which lived during the early Jurassic period in what is now southwestern China. 
A site in southwest China has provided dozens of skeletons of the plant-eating dinosaur. The discovery follows research by the same team on the older dinosaur embryo on the oldest dinosaur embryos ever found. Nice. There we go. There you go. Like I've been saying all along, I don't even have to say it. You've heard the words, Matt. No. Yeah. <laughs> you uh, can't. Uh... I. You know what? I still find it hard to say it back. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know I'm wrong. It's just going to take me a while to come around. You really can probably preserve soft microscopic proteins inside that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know. Yes. Yeah. yeah, right. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I feel like we should get away from the life sciences maybe for a second into uh, um, a, a, a story that sounds kind of woo and hippie-ish at first blush. Is this, does it involve crystals? It does involve crystals. Anything that involves crystals, I guess, obviously. Uh, the first person I saw post this on my Facebook feed was a person who goes in for kind of myst- mystical ah. stuff. So I was like, wait, how is this also on, um, let's see. How is this on sciencealert.com, which is a relatively reputable site? I would put it above BuzzFeed, and yet it <laughs> still involves the term time crystals. Um, well, I wow. guess it turns out it's it's not bullshit, and crystal sort of doesn't have to have the implication that you think. Okay, let's just get into it. So um, scientists have confirmed a brand new phase of matter, time crystals. For months now, there's been speculation that researchers might have finally created time crystals, which are strange crystals that have an atomic structure that repeats not just in space, but in time, putting them in constant oscillation without energy. So yeah, I guess just they mean by crystal, like a crystal has a repeating pattern. If you move across it, you see the same thing again and again. But Mm -hmm. if you go forward in time, there's a repeating movement to these things. So just the fact that something is just oscillating, just vibrating is sort of a crystal-like quality in the time dimension. And they're saying that those things are in oscillation constantly, but without energy, which would seem to defy like perpetual motion restricting sort of rules. Okay. So uh, now it's official researchers have just reported in detail how to make and measure these bizarre crystals and two independent teams of scientists claim they've actually created time crystals in the lab based off this blueprint, confirming the existence of an entirely new phase of matter. Um, it might sound pretty abstract, but it heralds in heralds in a whole new era in physics. For decades, we've been studying matter that's defined as being in equilibrium, such as metals and insulators. But it's been predicted that there are many more strange types of matter out there in the universe that aren't in equilibrium, but we haven't even begun to look into, including these time crystals. And now we know they're real. The fact that we now have the first example of non-equilibrium matter, matter could lead to breakthroughs in our understanding of the world around us, as well as new technology such as quantum computing. Um, so lead researcher Norman Yao from UC Berkeley said, this is a new phase of matter, period, but it's also really cool because it is one of the first examples of non-equilibrium matter. Um, so if we take a step back for a second, the whole concept of time crystals has been floating around for a few years now. So back in 2012, it was first predicted by Frank Wilczek, who's a Nobel Prize winning theoretical physicist. And uh, yeah, th- these are structures that appear to have movement even at their lowest energy state, known as a, as a ground state. So usually when a material is in its ground state, also known as the zero point energy of a system, it means movement should theoretically be impossible because that would require it to expend energy. But Wilczek predicted this might not be the case for time crystals. Um, like, I, like I said before, the uh, normal crystals have atomic structure that repeats in space, just like the carbon lattice of a diamond. Um, but those are motionless because they're in equilibrium. But time crystals have a structure that repeats in time and it keeps oscillating in that ground state so imagine it's like jelly when you tap it it repeatedly jiggles but that happens forever and without energy 
I still don't fully get how they created this or discovered it. I don't really get um, it either. Wait, the blueprint um, that describes like how to make and measure the properties of a time crystal um, was published in physical review letters. Let's see if they tell us how. I don't think I don't think this is something you can just do in your kitchen. Uh, I'm trying to find any specifics of how it sounds like the almost like the almost uh, absolute zero kind of thing they're doing. Yeah, where yeah. They- and it's sort of related to the frictionlessness of um, of like superconductors, right? Uh huh. I don't know. Why I'm asking you. Yeah. Uh-huh. This this, um, this was sent in by both uh, Isaac Rocket and uh, James Huffman, and probably a couple of other people. The uh, the Ber- it was done at Berkeley, and their press release is uh, yeah. It says it's a. Uh, um, Okay, I found a specific example of how they did something, if you want to hear it. They're intrinsically out of equilibrium. Uh, University of Maryland's time crystals were created by taking a conga line of 10 ytterbium ions, all with entangled electron spins. The key to turning that setup into a time crystal was to keep the ions out of equilibrium, and to do that, the researchers alternately hit them with two lasers. One laser created a magnetic field, and the second laser partially flipped the spins of the atoms. Because the spins of the atoms were entangled, the atoms settled into a stable, repetitive pattern of spin flipping that defines a crystal. Uh, oh, that was normal enough, but to become a time crystal, the system had to break time symmetry. And observing the ytterbium atom conga line, the researchers noticed it was doing something odd. The two lasers that were periodically nudging the ytterbium atoms, and if I'm saying that wrong, I apologize, all you big ytterbium heads out there, uh, they were producing a repetition in the system at twice the period of the nudges, something that couldn't occur in a normal system. So it's like, if, wouldn't it be weird if you jiggled jello and then found that somehow it responded at a different period, like it jiggled twice as fast as you were jiggling it or something? Uh, that's the essence of a time crystal. You have some periodic driver that has a period T, but the system somehow synchronizes so that you observe the system oscillating with a period that's larger than T. If that makes sense. Okay. That's okay. amazing. That's just just the fact that they're not even astounded by the fact that they're hitting ions with lasers, but they're just uh, it's, it's pretty. Uh, it has sharp to start jiggling yeah. in a weird way because they're like, "Hey, what we're doing is kind of amazing, isn't it?" <laughs> <laughs> I just realized that. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I, there's, a, there's a chart here that I can't make uh, sense of on quick on a quick uh, scanning, but. Um, I think I sort of understand. I mean, yeah, I think I get the concept of it. It's it's something that's moving that shouldn't be moving by by traditional yeah. rules of things. Yeah, the right? Jello thing really had me going. Yeah, uh, yeah that yeah. got me that's uh, into good the mindset of of I, like an elite scientist. I can't not think of that scene from Airplane whenever I think of jiggling Jello. Though, have you seen Airplane? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I've seen it. Yeah. The camera pans up from the yeah, yeah. Classic, classic. When it started out, speaking of movies, I was like, Time Crystal. That sounds like a new Wesley Snipes movie. Right? And then when... <laughs> Jean-Claude Van Damme and Wesley Snipes. And, and like then when, it, when you started reading it, I was like, this is actually, yeah, it's very Wesley Snipes uh, sci-fi movie-ish. I feel like, yeah, Time Crystals would be something that would power a, a yeah. future weapon or a, a Death oh. Star or... Yeah. <laughs> or another He-Man reboot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the power of Time Crystals. Hey, this is a... We got a letter from one of our listeners. Um... We were asking on, I don't know whether it's the last or pre or two episodes ago, I think it would have been now, we we're talking about the difference between uh, psychopaths and sociopaths. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like we said, if anyone knows or any information or whatever, and the, the gist of it was basically um, uh, a, a psychopath has no conscience or a sociopath has limited conscience and is a... Uh, 
And if you could only ask around. one of them one question, you should ask the sociopath. If yeah. I ask the psychopath, is he a psychopath? What will he tell me? And then you can get off the island. But we, yeah, we got a le- right? we got a letter from <laughs> we got a letter from a sociopath listener uh, who's someone I've met and seemed very nice. Um, uh, you. Uh, just as long as you don't mention his name, everything's cool. He just say, please okay. don't mention my name, Nothing. which I, yeah, yeah, we, we will certainly do that. Um, uh, I'm not a psychopath, rather a sociopath, and was diagnosed age 25. I received a different explanation when receiving my diagnosis from my shrink. I was told that a psychopath is born and a sociopath is created by environment, and there's very little difference between the two. I certainly identify more with the description you gave of a sociopath than the one I was led to believe. Uh, I'd be interested to see if there are any listeners who could provide a definitive answer. Uh, and then says, I'll answer any questions you have, but in all honesty, I'm fairly boring. And aside from having zero to no conscience, I'm pretty normal. I'm a pretty normal fellow these days. Zero to no. Zero, zero, to, zero to no conscience. <laughs> That's a very small range of... How fun. do you work if you don't feel bad? <laughs> That's a fair question. Yeah, if you don't, if you have zero conscience, are you just like calculating, well, if I don't... Like, do you ever feel bad about not calling your mother or stuff like that? I mean, it's <laughs> or are you just I, like, well, I should because it's that time of well, month. Well, I, I wonder because w- within a certain point, a lot of the things that things like conscience, uh, having a conscience, um, and compassion and empathy are things that have evolved so that we can survive as a society. Yeah, we have like so we can collectively pass on our family and gr- group genes. Uh, like that, so we protect each other and we look after each other, and it's built, it's hardwired in us to nurture each other and that kind of thing. But from a cynical point of view, you could argue, well, that's just programming, and that's just programming because it gives you the best chance of getting ahead as a group, if as, not as like an individual. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I don't want to speak uh, for this individual. If you're able to write in with some clarifications, but I wonder whether there's elements to which things that people who aren't sociopaths would just do because they have compassion and they're they have a conscience people who are sociopaths will do because they're like well no life will be easy can do it for the same cynical reasons that are hardwired into us yes we're hardwired to go well for the good of society and for the good of ourselves we should be nice to each other and we should help each other and they're like well It'll work out best for me in the long run if I'm nice to my coworker and I yeah. help them, or if I but you're if assuming... I'm seen to be not kicking that person into the street yeah. and that kind of thing. It's it's just more of a definite cause and effect rather than something that's innate. But, but even you're saying innate is is that hardwired or is that also something that's socialized? Because it could yeah. just be social. It could just be something you your parents well, it, it model sounds, for you and then you copy. You it know? sounds like from this person's this person's psychiatrist description. In a sociopath, it is a it is more of a societal thing. Whereas a psychopath, it's just they don't have the bit of the brain that can even write that conscience on. The sociopath, it's been broken. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I've actually had a, quite a big fascination with sociopaths and psychopaths and serial uh-huh. killers and stuff like that. Yeah. Which is I don't know. I kind of went deep into that. No. For, it's, for, it's, everyone loves it right now. Yeah. It's, it's definitely it's crazy. As bigger as big as it's ever been. Yeah. But what that last definition really made sense because because what I've learned is that you can be born a psychopath without the ability to feel empathy. Yeah. And again, from a sociological sociological point of view you can still have really great parents who teach you how yeah. to be a good person and you can become a firefighter and because you don't feel the same fear that other people might feel 
Like is that fear, also part fear of it? Should, fear of your own mortality is reduced? Yeah, think, I, I, really? I guess. I guess you should just as a psychopath. From what I've learned, is that Become you just fireman? you just feel <laughs> you just feel less um, in general. Yeah. Well, well, less. Um, yeah, you're not as emotional. Yeah, that makes sense. But then it makes me wonder about like um, I've heard that the part of the reason that there's so much. A higher rate of diagnosis of autism in boys than girls is that uh, maybe just as many girls are born with the predisposition, but then uh, they sort of learn behavior to to, to mimic, mm. to sort of uh, fake it that they that they read people's emotions. But I'm like, that sounds like the process of growing up for any child is like you you <laughs> see behavior and then you mimic it and that's of course so at a certain point does it even matter if behind it there is a real emotion or if it's just copy like isn't everything sort of copying what we've seen society model for us when it comes to yeah, for, feeling for each other and yeah, feeling in general like I don't when know when you read about psychopath everyone can kind of nod against like you you can feel that maybe you have some psychopath traits uh, oh, you when, say when as you're, you're reading it, you start as, to as wonder, you're reading am it, I, am, 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 am I a psychopath? But yeah, it just uh, like you just said, it's so hot right now. Everyone's into it. Like the OJ uh, thing, he's yeah. clearly a psychopath, but he's like the most charming guy or in the he, world. Or, when, when, or did when you have like one moment that where he broke, and then he's been convincing himself that didn't happen for so long that he believes it? Which is my pet theory. What do, what do I know? But no, uh, but I think he's he has all the traits of a psychopath. Really? Yeah, yeah, because he's extremely manipulative, manipulative, and he's able to insert himself into any situation and become this likable guy. Yeah. So I think he just molds himself to the, his environment. Like, I, I was he, looking I up the story, so I've lost who we were I don't talking even oh, think, sorry, OJ. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't even think he really has a personality. I think he just have, has story, stories that he... He has, like, go-to stories that always work, and he knows yeah. how to get under people's skin and make them like him in no time. I should... Oh, man, I should uh, read up more about this. I still haven't even seen the, the Cuba Gooding Jr., the... Um, I haven't American. seen that e- either. Yeah. Everyone seen that loves either. it, though. Um, yeah. Okay, just two little things from the computer. Firstly, thank you also, Derek Joshua Medina, for sending in the Trime Crystal story. We're probably missing out three people who also sent it in. Uh, And the difference between a psychopath and a sociopath, according to the article we read last week, is um, uh, psychopaths are fearless, sociopaths aren't. That buys into what you're saying about firefighters and things. Psychopaths don't have a sense of right and wrong. Sociopaths do. But both are equally capable of ruining lives and destroying relationships. Uh, not that they care. Well, I'm capable of uh, ruining lives yeah. and destroying yeah, relationships. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, but even oh. not knowing right from wrong, like you don't think that there's a way a psychopath could be trained to see the patterns of something that someone else would call right or wrong, and well, know that even though they don't absolutely. see it, as that, they, yes, yes, absolutely. Well, that's, I think that's yeah. exactly what they do, and that's why so many people with psychopathy are able are to function in society right. and become leaders and yeah. uh, own great corporations because they're just more <laughs> yeah yeah that's, uh, it's true it's, <laughs> that is why most people who are psychopaths aren't sort of just constantly killing Murdering. people with hammers yeah <laughs> i guess that would be the psycho way to go yeah i don't know uh yeah. Um, I was, was going to thank our sociopathic listener, but he's again specifically requested we not. Well, we even can de- thank, but not by name. Yes, thank you thank very you, much, sir for, or ma'am. But it was sir. I think it we can limit so, it to fifty okay, percent of the population. Not and us, I've already said he at least once. Yes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, thank you for thank you for that. And I guess if anyone does have any uh, uh, other questions. I don't, I don't want to turn this whole show into Ask a Sociopath. But, 
but it's probably sociopath. But he should start his own podcast called that because yeah. who wouldn't listen to that? It's it's legitimately interesting. Ask a sociopath, I would, I'd subscribe. So yeah, if you listen, if you're still listening, start that podcast, man. That's uh, or blog. Do it as an sure. anonymous. Yeah. An- do it as an anonymous blog. Or just do go. it through a super creepy voice modulator so it's even more terrifying. <laughs> the whole thing is just... Hello, I'm a sociopath. People ask me all the time as I walk, as I walk the wasteland of emotions. <laughs> it's just like the sound of like seagulls in the background. And, and... <sighs> Hello, welcome to... <laughs> I'll do the sound design for you. I'll I'll just fully artist all this stuff with my mouth if you want to do the... Yeah, just send me the raw file. I'll alter your voice. I'll add in... Woo! Caw! Caw! Yeah. It'll be great. <laughs> I only want a third of the revenue. Um, okay. We, we will post all of those stories up at probablyscience.com, the Squarespace-powered website that you know and love from the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where there is also the donation button. Oh, is there? Yeah, there is, Andy. I'm surprised you didn't know that. Uh, a fair few people have used it this week. Uh, so thank you very much. Uh, monthly donations coming in from Keith Statenfield, Stephen Edmonds, Pandora Young, uh, Matthew Arnold, Drew Chapman, and thank you very much, Rosalie Simonich. Yeah, she just uh, restarted her donation, I believe, right? Yeah, thank you. Uh, and it's generous of you as well. Uh, so thank you so much for doing that all of you you can find that donation button also uh, the next tab over is the Amazon shopping link if you're buying anything on Amazon you can uh, click through our link first or even set that as the uh, link for Amazon in your browser as a bookmark and you don't have to remember to type it in every time it will auto complete we get a little kickback from everything you buy it costs you no extra so that's a cool way to help us out that donation is that like a subscription thing so it's, or it's just a one-time it's thing? It's purely... Uh, some people set up monthly donations. Yeah, okay. Some people do one-offs. One if you want, so. it's, uh, the show is fully free for anyone who wishes to listen to it, uh, but we're very grateful to the people who also want to chuck us some money to help us keep it going. Nice. Uh, it's very kind of all of you. In, uh, in some of the Danish podcasts, they, has, they have something called Tia.dk, uh, which is like uh, a, a buck where you just set up for every episode you make you oh, get cool. some sort of... You can just say, oh, okay, I'll give you 20 cents for each episode. Like a or... Patreon sort of thing? Have you heard of Patreon? No, I haven't. Is that... I, I, I guess it's a thing, a thing already. Just sort of supporting artists. You could have somebody who like puts out weekly songs and wants to have people like supporting every time. Yeah, it's, yeah, and it's every time you do something, being a patron you get... Of, uh, yeah, of you get something, artists. yeah. Um, I just want to keep talking about donations because hopefully <laughs> that yeah, will get more some people, people in there. Get it on the brain. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate it. Even I do like your apartment. It's not... <laughs> it's not like a slab. Listen, it's it cost me twice as much to live here as it did the last place so yeah whatever you guys can chip in we certainly like it yeah this fucking town it's insane yeah um, it is the other way you can really help us out uh, is by spreading the word loads of you do that and we really appreciate it always yes, do. telling friends and families tweeting facebooking uh, whatever other social media you happen to enjoy, just checking it up there um, or telling people face to face if they're podcast listeners or if they are thinking about becoming podcast <laughs> listeners to check us out. Uh, we should have like a Watchtower style uh, pamphlet people can print out. Yeah. Door to door. Drag the good word. Drag like our friends' children around the. <laughs> he doesn't even like podcasts. It's Saturday he morning. Want to be here. <laughs> have you heard the good news of the sociopaths and podcasts? <laughs> yeah. It'll change your life. <laughs> it will. It will. Uh, we got time for a couple more stories, right? I think so, yeah. 
I think you liked the the talking viruses, didn't you? I did like it, or at least in, in concept. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, sent in by this Kaja. Kaja. I don't even know how you pronounce your name. I, I apologize Ka- for that. Either of those, sure. Yeah. Scientists have caught viruses talking to each other, and that could be the key to a new age of antiviral drugs. Some of the greatest scientific discoveries have been accidental. To that list, Israeli scientists have added one more. Uh, they've discovered for the first time an instance of viruses leaving messages for other viruses. What makes the discovery remarkable is that scientists expect such communication systems to exist along other kinds of viruses. If true, we'll have one more route to attacking devastating viruses such as HIV or herpes. I was surprised it said the first message they detected was just, you up? <laughs> I wouldn't have thought so. <laughs> Virus emojis. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the real danger here. And then they like just try to pretend that it was an accidental one. I didn't mean it, man. I didn't mean it. I meant to send meant to send it to someone who isn't fat. <laughs> I hate being rejected and I'm really insecure. So the search began when Rotem Sorek um, of Weizmann Institute. Sorry. Is I'll that, go for it. Oh, uh, uh, Weizmann Institute of Science and his colleagues were looking for, quote, bacterial chatter. They were studying how viruses attacked a bacterial species called Bacillus or Bacillus subtilis, and they knew that under certain situations, these bacteria communicate. The phenomenon called quorum sensing helps bacteria control their behavior based on the number of other bacteria around. It's crucial in deciding, say, when a pathogenic bacteria decides to launch an attack on its host, which could develop into a disease. What they found, however, was that the viruses were chattering, too. Uh, viruses attack back... T- oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. I oh. just said, ooh, because you had like a two. Yeah, two. <laughs> so I was kind of re- reacting to your ghost story here. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, viruses attack bacteria in two ways. Most of the time, they enter the bacterial cell and take over its machinery to multiply until the cell explodes and dies. Sometimes, however, they simply inject their genome into the bacteria, waiting for an environmental cue to reawaken and multiply later. Sorek's hypothesis was that given how frequently viruses attack B. subtilis, perhaps the bacteria have developed a way of warning others when an attack begins. So he took a virus called Phi-3T and added that to a flask full of B. subtilis. As expected, viruses killed the bacteria in large numbers. To find out if there was any chemical signaling going on, Sorek filtered the mixture to remove bacteria and viruses, leaving behind only proteins. He then added the protein mixture to a fresh flask containing B. subtilis. To his surprise, this time when he added that Phi-3T virus to the flask, the virus did something else. Instead of killing its host like last time, it slipped a part of its genome into the bacteria, which means instead of bacteria talking to each other, something in the protein mixture had made viruses change their mode of attack. So then he had a mystery to solve, and after more than two years of searching through that protein mess, he reports in the journal Nature that his team found the protein that viruses used to communicate. His team called the protein Arbitrium, which is Latin for decision. So he believes that when levels of arbitrium build up, viruses switch their strategy from killing their host cells to injecting their genome. It does make a lot of sense, said Peter Finneran of the University of Otago. If the phage is running around, running out of hosts, it would try and limit its destruction and sit quiet and wait for the host to reestablish growth. So uh, what's more intriguing, however, is that Sorek found signs of many other, other, of many more types of arbitrium-like proteins. When 5,3-T viruses inject their genomes into B subtilis bacteria, they also copy the DNA coded needed... The DNA code, I'm guessing. The DNA code needed to produce arbitrium. When Sorek looked at genomes of other bacillus bacteria, he found more than 100 unique DNA snippets that were similar to that arbitrium DNA snippet. So it's quite likely that other viruses also use chemical signaling to communicate messages to each other. 
So uh, even though viruses are the most primitive form of life, they infect and harm millions of people every year. And the possibility of tapping into viral communication has many scientists excited because it offers new ways to build drugs that could defeat those viruses. See, maybe instead of calling them like primitive and talking about defeat, little... if we try to build bridges mm-hmm. and talk to these viruses. Exactly. <laughs> we don't need this virus name calling. That doesn't yeah. do anybody any good. Virus shaming. It's yeah. not fair. No. Uh, the problem isn't that it's this alt virus that's uh then you know that's yeah. okay. That's I'm I'm really into bacteria and stuff. I'm I'm reading a book called uh Tama Mishama Intestines with Charm by a German scientist. Oh, really? Yeah, called uh, Julia Enders uh, and it's great. It's about like how much the intestinal system affects your psyche and uh, yeah, 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 they that's did been this a huge story for last couple yeah, of years. Yeah, it's so great. I just um I read this like a couple of days ago. There was this story where they did, they had these two types of lab mice. They did a really interesting experiment. They had these two types of lab mice. One of them is really outgoing and energetic and like a party mouse. And yeah. then there's this apathetic, more depressed uh, mice, uh, mice, mouse. And they put them in water where they can't reach the bottom. Yeah. And the energetic mouse will just swim around, swim around, try to find footing. Yeah. Whereas the apathetic mouse will pretty. Like it'll quickly give up because it's depressed. Yeah. So if they produce those types of mice, uh, but they make them sterile, so they have no intestinal uh, bacteria. Oh. And oh. then you insert the intestinal bacteria from the apathetic mouse into the in like the energetic mouse. Sort of fecal it'll, They'll they'll switch personalities and the other way around. So I'm That's reading crazy. that. Going, yeah, it's cool. so amazing. Yeah, like yeah. how important it is. And they're like, oh, you're reading, going through. Okay, sugar affects anxiety. And still, last night I'm just eating like a full sleeve of Oreo double stuffing <laughs> and red vines and everyone's got caramel cake. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. Hor- I can't stop. Even it's fucking horrible, man. It's well, addictive. I love it. Yeah. Well, while we are talking about bacteria, um, there is another story that was sent in. Uh, oh, I th- did we tell say that Christine Williams sent in the bumhole story? Maybe not. Oh, I'm not sure. But Thank Sean you. Gordon sent in this story about a breakthrough in antibiotic resistance. Um, scientists might have found a way to reverse it. Yes. Uh, nice. So penicillin discovered by Alexander Fleming. That's not entirely true. Futurism uh, in 1928 wasn't the only one. Shared discovery. He seems to get all the credit. What's Never mind. The story? Was it two two people working independently, or he was part no, of no a group people working or, together? But I'm trying to remember the names of the other people in the lab. I knew it once. Anyway, gone. Like, it wasn't um, like the Newton and um, it's like how Crick and Watson get all the credit right. for DNA when there was um. Now even now I'm blanking on the name of the woman who was the who should get man. beyond Watson and Crick. You're saying yep. I was going to say Newton and Leibniz both. Uh, oh, that's a uh, that was separate. Calculus. Those were in two different Just countries. Happened to be both working on the same or similar. Rosalind Franklin. As who I'm trying to think of, and also Maurice Wilkins. Alexa, shut up! God damn it! I can't believe that hasn't happened yet in this podcast. <laughs> this hell we just found what, out. What just happened? I have an. A- Do you have like an AI? I have an A L E X A over there, and if I say her name, it it's, uh, it summons her. She's like the the bye bye man or oh, like candy man or Do you have like a dog Beelzeus. you can't talk about because it'll come? Okay. Alexa, tell me a joke. Why are ghosts bad liars? Because you can see right through them. Ha ha ha, thank you. <laughs> Who said we don't bring you humor on this podcast? <laughs> I don't know whether you could oh, even Also, hit. if anybody's listening to us on theirs, the sound of me just calling it is also going to make theirs stop the podcast and tell a joke. <laughs> so I'm sorry about that, guys. Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, that's, yeah. Oh. Would that work? 
Yeah, I think Jordan and Jesse go. They've been doing that. A lot. They've been like yelling out for Alexa to do things on their show to <laughs> throw people off. So, um, penicillin was one of the world's first true antibiotics to ever be successful in eliminating infectious diseases. Uh, and since then, antibiotics has been essential to preventing avoidable deaths. But a troubling reality faces us all. Throughout all of Earth's evolutionary history, multicellular organisms have continually changed and adapted. But unicellular bacteria evolve so quickly that a majority are now resistant to a wide array of antibiotics. The problem of antibiotic resistance is so serious that the UN placed it at crisis level along with HIV. As, as a response, scientists have taken on the challenge to solving this global pandemic. One group of scientists from Oregon State recently discovered a weapon in fighting antibiotic-resistant bacteria, uh, just published in the Journal of Antimicrobial Chemotherapy. The scientists found that their answers, uh, their answer inside a peptide conjugated uh, phosphorodiamidate. Mm-hmm, that seems nice. Morpholino, still haven't finished. Oh, God. Oligoma oh, okay, molecule. Yeah. Uh, which is a PPMO molecule. They believe that this molecule could combat an enzyme produced by bacteria called New Delhi. Jesus. Uh, Metallo beta lacrimase, which is NDM1, responsible for coding resistance along with several other genes. Since the genes are shared across many different types of bacteria, only one PPMO molecule would be needed to fight the resistance. It would make contact with the antibiotic and restore its ability to fight bacteria that express NDM1. In the study at OSU, the scientists used an antibiotic called... um, Miropenem, which is an ultra-broad-spectrum drug of the penicillin type uh, carbapenem class. Meropenem was effective in treating mice that were infected with E. coli that was found to be NDM1 positive. Testing for humans is slated to begin in about three years. Um, and then, just like the BBC, they're throwing across to another unrelated professor <laughs> of a similar field. There's got to be a term Jaw-dropping? Yeah. Bruce Geller. Professor of Microbiology at OSU's college. Oh, no, wait, wait, wait. Hang on. This is the same university. This might be someone connected. Oh, okay. Uh, We've lost the ability, he says, to use many of our mainstream antibiotics. Everything's resistant to them now. That's left us to try to develop new drugs to stay one step ahead of the bacteria. But the more we look, the more we don't find anything new. So that's left us with making modifications to existing antibiotics. But as soon as you make a chemical change, the bugs mutate, and now they're resistant to the new, chemically modified antibiotic. If proven to be successful, this discovery would make it possible to treat a wide array of bacterial infections and diseases without life-threatening difficulties that antibiotic resistance can create. But as Geller stated, bacteria could quickly evolve and become resistant to the modification in a matter of years. We would have to start all over again. Uh, Either way, finding a solution is imperative. Perhaps one day in the near future, there will be a way to target the NDM1 enzyme directly without having to go through antibiotics. Or perhaps this discovery will lead to even more sustainable solutions to antibiotic resistance. Uh, I think think we should wrap things up. Yeah. I think it's about time. I think we've had a good amount of show. Yeah. Can I plug one more time the uh, first episode of Mindfield? You definitely can. Yeah, guys, if you either go to uh, the Vsauce channel on YouTube or just Google Mindfield, um, do a video search for that, you'll find episode one about isolation uh, for free, and the rest are, are YouTube Red, which is their sort of um, Netflix-y model for 
paid content and also it lets you watch all the rest of the YouTube uh, videos without any ads. So you can sign up for YouTube Red to see the whole season. Again, that's the show I worked on that uh, stars Michael Stevens of Vsauce. In the first episode, he subjects himself to 72 hours with zero contact with any people or things in this white room. And as we were setting up for that thing, I was like, you're going to make it like four hours, dude. There's no possible. I, I couldn't do it. Like we, we gave him nothing to eat but Soylent. That sort of milky uh, meal substitute thing that has oh. everything you need theoretically to live. So this whole room we built for him. This is only one of the things that happens in the episode. But we built this um, just, I think it's 10 foot by 10 foot, entirely white room, nothing but uh, bottles of water and bottles of Soylent and a toilet and nothing else to do. And he was going to see if he could last 72 hours in there. And um, knowing myself, uh, I think... Maybe if I could get to sleep the first night, maybe that would be extending my time. But I think, like Matt, how long do you think you would last? I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, the the, the massive ego in me goes, ah, I have 72 hours in a cinch, but probably probably about Nothing. eight hours before. Yep. You're with your favorite person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's fine. What more do I need? Oh, also, is it, cameras is a- on you at all times. So there's, yeah. there's other things oh, you, yeah. can't, you can't do to Oh, kill so the you're time. getting less exposure? Oh, God, I'll stay there. Yeah. I'll so, stay there. So, what's, so in the... In, Take me through. In the room, there's no reading or writing materials. No, it's just a bed, a sink, a toilet, is there silent a, and water. Is there a light you can turn on and off? No, the light is on full blast the whole time. Okay. Yeah. And there's no clock in there either. There's no clock. So you have you don't even know how long you have or haven't done. No. And that was another thing we were interested to... We were guessing that he would... Like other people that we'd researched who had spent a lot of time without any uh, source of information about time or daylight... They thought that time was passing more more quick. Wait, there was a woman named Stefania Fellini who did um, like an underground living experiment for NASA in this cave. And by the end of the, um, I want to say six months, she was under. She thought she'd only been under for half the time because eventually she got to the point she was sleeping like 20 hours at a time. And then staying awake for 15 or so or more. So in her head, each of those was... It was a day when it oh. actually was encompassing two days. Yeah, and like just all these other things. Her her menstrual cycle went all out of whack. Like it just does crazy things to you when you don't have any... But, you know, three days isn't isn't six months. So we were guessing, is he going to think it's longer or shorter? Is he going to bail after six hours? That's, I thought I could do six well, hours, but I don't know if I could do more than that. I, 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 yeah, I have a really hard time thinking... I have no idea. I, w- I think I could do 72, but what I, re- I read this thing about uh, like sensory deprivation, yeah. that's supposed to be so much worse. Like if, you, if you're completely blacked out and you have gloves on your hands so you can't feel anything, oh, yeah. then after I think about five hours or something I read, uh, the, the, your mind just starts giving you input. So you just start seeing stuff. So it'll just show you like, uh, you know, like sleep paralysis. Uh-huh. Where you can, if you, if you, you're you're kind of awake, but you're still asleep. Your body's still asleep, so you just that's why they have like nightmares, and you you know yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. the the mare would ride you. That's sitting the, on yeah, your, would sit yeah. because you're still sleeping, so so you're breathing, but you're not in control. So your brain would just show you, well, there's a demon sitting on your stomach. That's why you're. Your, yeah, your breathing is, isn't yeah. uh, controlled. Is that what nightmare? The source of the word? Yeah, that's the the the, huh. the mare would ride you at night uh, because you'd wake up and you're you you wouldn't be in control. Mare being breathing. a de- word for demon or yeah, a mare is a mare is a female horse. That's also, what I was right? wondering. Yeah. Is there also a word for it? And this is M A R E, not like M A Y O R. Yes, like the mare of the town. <laughs> <laughs> the mare would ride you. <laughs> 
Where, okay, where's this? But, but apparently the sensory deprivation uh, can do stuff like that to your brain. So it just starts showing you crazy, scary shit. Uh, huh. Yeah, to, to just give your mind something. Because if you can't feel or anything, it'll yeah. just mess with your head. Uh, um, according to Wikipedia, yeah, the old English term mayor, a mythical demon or goblin or who torments others with frightening dreams. Yes. Yeah. Is this, uh, while we're plugging things, is it too soon to be plugging Bridgetown? Um, this will go out actually, oh, yes, this is going to come out on Monday. So today we've just put the early bird tickets for the Bridgetown Comedy Festival on sale. And I hope that today we also announced that um, May 2nd, Two days before the general festival starts, we are doing a very special evening with Patton Oswalt. I think it's the first time he's been to Portland in a couple of years, uh, and that's going to be at Arlene Schnitzer Concert Hall in Portland on May 2nd, and then May 4th through 7th is uh, the Bridgetown Comedy Festival. So as of right now, you can visit bridgetowncomedy.com and find links to get tickets to the Patton Show and to get uh, discounted early bird passes to the festival in general. Awesome. I know there's a big overlap between the Probably Science listenership and people who live in and around Portland and uh, visitors of the Bridgetown Festival. Um, And also, yeah, um, uh, controversial view here, but um, Patton Oswalt, pretty good at comedy. I think he's a decent uh, comic, yeah. This is the 10th year of the festival. He was there the first year, and so it's really cool that we were able to come full circle and get him back for the first time since uh, year one back in 08. So thank you, Pat. Is he still, is everyone still like, sleeping on your parents' uh, living Everyone's room Everyone's still crashing in, in my basement. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. The first year, I think I did have like 10 comedians staying at my place. It was like a slumber party. And the after party was just, we're just going back to Andy's place after this. <laughs> Everybody was... Someone, because someone stopped by 7-Eleven to get some beers. Literally, yeah, yeah. I remember uh, James Adomian and um, and Joe Joe Wilson doing uh, dueling Brody Stevens impressions late into the night in the kitchen. <laughs> and they got drunker and drunker. Um Simon, what have you got coming up and where can our listeners find out more about you and your things? Well, um, what I've got coming up is this week um, at the Ice House, so that in Pasadena, that doesn't... No, uh, I don't That's... think I can plug anything other than maybe my Facebook. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, the, it's at Simon Talbot Comedy. We will link to that. A lot of that stuff is in Danish, but uh, <laughs> yeah. you can write me on there if you want to hear whenever I'm doing a show, and I'll respond. I try to awesome. get back nice. to people there. Do you have a Twitter as well? Yeah, also that's at Simon Talbot underscore, but I don't really... I just basically regram from my Instagram on okay. Twitter. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Uh, we will link to all those. We are at Probably Science on Twitter, and then individually at Andy T. Wood and at Matt Kirshen, also at Jesse Case, and give Jesse versus Cancer a listen. Um, and probablyscience.gmail.com is the email address if you have questions comments clarifications uh, stories you want us to cover uh, the donation button is on the Squarespace powered probablyscience.com as is the Amazon link spread the word tell your friends thank you for joining us Simon thank you so much for having me That's, this yeah, is my first uh, thing in America besides doing comedy so this is amazing nice. thank you very much. we'll see you at a show soon yeah I'm really hoping to yeah maybe I'll see the Patton Oswalt thing I'm, I think he's very good too I think I think he's going places this past yeah, it's, it's going to be all right for mark him. it down yeah. mark it down whatever today's date you heard is. it yes. here first yes. on our probably I science podcast credit. we're the ones who called it you watch you watch this kid's career because th- this kid is going places nice all right well i hope we'll see a bunch of you in may uh and we'll also talk to you next week all right bye bye, bye.